0: the all systems Argo mini-sode hello you can hear my co-host Jamal B. Behringer. how you doing Jamal
1: I'm doing oh so good Jess and I'm not lying at all you can't prove anything how are you
0: <laughs> I'm doing amazing uh, I'm very excited because we're talking about Marvel's Oscar problem. Getting
1: up on these Marvel movies, which are very specifically not Best Picture winners,
0: (laughs) and why do we think that is? And so that's what we're going to be talking about today on this mini. Jamal, what do you think about uh, this issue that Marvel's having in like producing these giant moneymaker movies that like seem to never win Best Picture? If I recall.
1: There's been two major times that they've really courted that Oscar gold. Uh, first was, was Black Panther, of course, mm-hmm. um, which was released back in 2018 and uh, got seven Academy Award nominations.
0: Oh, man, I remember that. Me too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, including Best Picture. Um it, uh, it 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 broke through as a best picture nominee, which is mm-hmm. a choice. Um, which and Kevin is, Kevin Feige was, sorry, go ahead. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Well, Kevin Feige was very happy. He was very uh, excited. He hoped it would break through um, the the gilded ceiling for superhero movies or whatever, and quote, he hoped that it would empower new voices in Hollywood.
0: Jamal don't do this to me Uh, especially (laughs) when we consider that uh, Black Panther having won all of those different awards um, and losing to of all movies Green Book Mm. (laughs) Mm. being Mm. nominated and getting so far um, only to lose to a uh, Black movie that parallels writing Miss Daisy
1: (laughs) It beat It beat Black Panther. It beat Black k klonsman It... Uh, I just... I don't... I don't... It's not... They could have chosen so much. If Beale Street Could Talk came out that year.
0: I just... But it was not nominated. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Into the Spider-Verse came out that year. If there's a superhero oh. movie that should have been nominated for an Oscar.
0: I loved... That movie was so good. Honestly, so- music, oh. animation, phenomenal.
1: They just um they just dropped the trailer for the second one. I'm so hyped.
0: Honestly, I know, right? I'm so excited. Um, I still have like the the songs and the soundtrack for the amazing Spider Man. Um, not the amazing Spider Man. Uh, but <laughs> oh, wow, A very uh, different quality. Very of movie. different quality movie. <laughs> um, but the, but the soundtrack is, is very clearly like still in my playlist.
1: Yes. I, it's one of those rare movies where I love 100% both the, like the, uh, dumb rap album released and the actual soundtrack. Cause they're both great.
0: Yeah. Which I feel like it's rare that they're both, <laughs> they're both yes. enjoyable.
1: Pretty much, I'm trying to think the other, I mean, that year was when the, the superhero rap album trend really kicked up again with that and Black Panther.
0: Mm-hmm. Ex- especially, like, with them winning, like, didn't they win Best Music um, for Black Panther? Dove. They might have. I know it won Best Costume Design, credit to Ruth Carter, I believe, but um because the designs for the costumes were amazing. Um, yes,
1: Yes, Ruth Carter. They also did win best score. I didn't know Ludwig uh, Garonson won best score for Black Panther.
0: Mm-hmm. I knew that it That's won best nice. score. Phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> enough of us fawning over Black Panther. <laughs> Jamal, do you have a Black Panther story from when you first saw it in theaters? <laughs>
1: um, let me see. I mean, I this was I oh, what I really remember about Black Panther. And I just double checked. It was the first MCU movie to win any Oscars. Plenty had been nominated, mostly in visual effects, makeup, that kind of thing. But it was the first one to win anything for costume design, score, and production design. But I remember I was working at an insurance company at the time, and I hated it. Uh, (laughs) And I was walking to lunch, uh, listening to the soundtrack of Black Panther. The movie wasn't out yet, but it dropped like a week before. Um mm-hmm. and it had Killmonger's theme. And for <laughs> the first time I was hyped for the movie. I was like, oh, oh, like the reviews had come out and they were all fantastic. And I'm listening to this awesome, just fantastic soundtrack. And I'm like, okay, this is gonna be so good. Everybody is so high I I I I I I didn't like I didn't like it that much.
0: I'm screaming. I, my Black Panther story, I went to see Black Panther in theaters three times and and with different people each time. And the first time I went to go see it in theaters, uh, I found myself amongst our beautiful Black diaspora uh, (laughs) clearly underdressed because I walked into a theater um, in uh, Maryland where... Uh, I thought to myself, you know, I'm, I'm just going to wear like, you know, a really cool, like black power shirt and I'm going to enjoy this movie. Um, and I walked I, in and I didn't even know that many black people lived in that neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> like it was people in gowns, dashikis, like ready, taking photos. I like had no idea. So obviously the second time I went to go see it, I dressed appropriately. <laughs> sure, of course of like the phenomenal movie that it was uh clearly everybody was out representing so the second and third time i went to go see it of course i had to
1: (laughs) truly i have never seen so many happy black people so loud than that movie (laughs) it was
0: fantastic it really was just like the communal atmosphere and like the unity, like just talking to people during the movie, before the movie, after the movie, um, dapping people up, just like having like such a good like vibe. Uh- <laughs> I,
1: I, I saw it in a theater in um, Columbia, Maryland, doesn't matter, uh, but it was it was it was it was a uh a, bi, uh, a biracial audience, but uh, mostly white people. Uh, so I just wasn't the same vibe. If I'd gone to see it with my church, which I should have, uh, I would have experienced the movie in the way it was meant to be
0: experienced. Um, oh, absolutely.
1: Uh, with a crowd that will scream when Michael B. Jordan calls Angela Bassett auntie.
0: Oh, absolutely. That is exactly what happened each time without fail. Um, I did not go see <laughs> any of these times with a biracial audience. Um, so um actually you know funny story for our listeners um one of our uh friends um anthony a friend of the pod Mm -hmm. who was in a previous episode we had so much fun uh taunting him about black panther (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness because originally anthony was gonna go see it um in the first week And we were messing with them about like, are you really going to take a seat away? (laughs) (laughs) You remember that Jamal? (laughs) I think so. Are you really going to take a seat away from a black child? They are busing in children to watch this movie. (laughs) And and then later on being like, are you really not going to support this black film in its first week? (laughs) I remember that.
1: Oh, that ruled. <laughs> you're not. You're gonna steal a seat from a black child in February. <laughs> How dare you! On Black History Month, you will not give movie to the ba- movie. You will not give money to the highest grossing <laughs> black movie ever. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> this movie should be supported by all people. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh,
1: all hashtag, all money matters for black movies.
0: (laughs) You did not. (laughs) Oh my goodness. But yeah, Mm -hmm. like just when we think about like Marvel's Oscar problem, I feel like one of the things I think about is the fact that like, these are like big, like moneymaker movies, but they don't have, I think, prestige due to like the cult following and the view of like who the audience is for these movies. I think that plays a key role. Like there's no way that a superhero movie is ever going to be targeted toward, you know, the industry.
1: And the Oscars as a sort of a, an institution are famously anti sort of genre movies. So horror, thriller action and sort of, mainstream fair or not mainstream, but black Panther is very, very much a popcorn movie, just like every MCU movie is a popcorn movie. And that's just not usually what wins best picture or wins anything, but like costuming or production design or something.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that like part of the, the way that black Panther was able to like burst through that ceiling Um, Was not only the fact that, you know, these folks worked really hard on this movie, but also like when we consider like what was going on during the time, like this was also like a very topical movie happening, like during civil unrest in the U.S. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, and so I think time wise, this movie came out um, in a way exactly the way it needed to to receive that nomination
1: yeah i mean that was such a i mean not that it's less of a time now but it feels like we've had we've had a continual the continual mainstreaming of black issues over the last 10 years Mm -hmm. and it it was just a good time for something like black panther to come out i mean and I guess I'll say on a personal level, I like Black Panther a lot. I have not seen it since 2018 because I felt a little um, disconnected from how much love there was for it because I I liked it. I don't think I like it as much as you do or um, a lot of people did at the time. And it is still wild to me that Black Panther has almost as many Oscars Oscar nominations as, uh, every other marvel movie nomination combined
0: (laughs) okay there are that i did not know there are it looks like
1: 20 nominations for marvel movies and eight of them are black no seven of them are black panther
0: phenomenal i like is wild that's actually wild and i i think that like that's a you're really hitting the nail on the head though um i i also don't know if i've seen the movie past like 2019 it came out in 2018 i might have seen it in 2020 but Um, I think that you're right when it came to, like, the mainstreaming of Black issues really intersecting with the release of this movie. Um, Mm -hmm. Because when you think about, like, the Kylie Jenner Pepsi ad, (laughs) um, the Black Lives Matter Pepsi ad, that was 2017. That was the year before. Wow. So time-wise, you know, if you're really thinking about that as, like, when was it cool to, like, care about Black lives (laughs) – <laughs> 2018 um would be very specifically then um which I think is I think is very interesting you know when you think about the political climate of when it came out of like r- civil unrest white supremacy the mainstreaming of black issues I don't know why this always crosses my mind but like Pete Buttigieg like telling uh black folks that he's not asking for their vote <laughs> like in his own town. Wow. You know, yeah, I don't know why that always crosses my mind, but like that's like to me all of those things are very <laughs> much like wrapped in like why there's no timeline where this movie wouldn't have been nominated.
1: Absolutely. And it's also important to look at uh one year earlier. Oh, literally one year earlier also in February because that's when they dump black movies. Uh <laughs> was Get Out which was a massive smash did win um, uh, best original screenplay and was widely, you know, seen as a black movie. I mean, it is a black movie Uh, less. So in some ways than black Panther, which is capital B black. Mm -hmm. And I think it works really well as a sort of really setting the audience up for this massive smash of black Panther. I mean, it, it, Black Panther is, I think, the ninth highest grossing movie of all time. Um, mm. Yes, and by far the highest by a black filmmaker. I mean, massive, which, and, you know, I, I'm not going to say it doesn't deserve it. Like, it's great. <laughs> it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it's right? a lot of fun. But the question of whether, like, like, the idea behind, like, Oscar winning movies, right, mm-hmm. is also that these are supposed to be, like, classic movies right that everyone returns to that hallmark a year which makes sense why marvel would be excluded from that um it makes sense why superhero movies would be excluded from that but at the same time you know the choice for green book to win in such a like raucous time uh, (laughs) um Like, I'm not saying that Black Panther should have won. I'm just saying that the idea that Green Book was reflective of 2018 is foolish.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always been sort of the the push and pull of the Oscars is, well, one of them is, is the Oscars supposed to be the best of a year or is it supposed to be the most iconic of a year? And in a lot of ways, you just don't know until afterwards i mean this isn't a marvel movie but i remember in 2008 there was a lot of buzz for the idea of the dark knight plug getting... Hayden 08. yeah <laughs> true uh <laughs> plug in my other podcast Hayden no wait we'll look at dark knight eventually there's a lot of buzz about uh dark knight getting a potential oscar nomination uh, heath ledger got a posthumous uh oscar nomination for joker Did mm-hmm. he <laughs> win he did win yes uh and the dark knight did not end up getting nominated but that is such a watershed moment for superhero movies a movie that is remembered as a classic by many people Mm -hmm. uh but not you know not something that would have been Traditionally honored by the Oscars. Slumdog Millionaire is what won that year. And that's remembered as a good movie. But mm-hmm. like, we're not talking about the curious case of Benjamin Button or Frost Nixon or The Reader now. Uh, the Dark Knight, on the other hand, like changed the face of blockbuster movies. So that's always a push and pull for the Oscars is what you're going to focus on there. And I think it's really easy to confirm that no matter by what metric you look at green book was not it.
0: Mhm. I agree.
1: Green Book uh was bad then. <laughs> it's, it's bad, bad now. now. <laughs> uh neither of us have seen it and I feel fully confident incredibly confident in saying that movie's racist.
0: Yes, I feel that as well. I also feel uh I also feel that it's the family of you know if the family doesn't approve of the movie It's a surefire sign (laughs) um, that it's not appropriate and not reflective.
1: It is often a bad sign. It is often a bad sign, especially in this case when uh, when one side of the movie, the black side, is Mm -hmm. the the family is like, this is bad. And uh, the white side who wrote the movie are like, no, this is fine. (laughs) Why would this not be fine?
0: Which is often Crazy. the way that history is written.
1: Long sigh. Long, <laughs> long sigh on that one. Well, and, and here's a question, of course. Is Black... Pa- should Black Panther have been nominated for Best Picture? Like, how much was the buzz of this massive Black movie uh, an element of it?
0: That's the thing, right? Like, judging Black Panther on its own as it came out without the context of the time period it still had amazing costumes design it still had amazing music um it's mm-hmm. still like a very like culturally important and topical movie like an entire community was going to come out and see this movie regardless
1: absolutely
0: especially if they're like me who, you know, read Black Panther comics and like watched it as a child um, for context, Black Panther uh, TV show. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I think that, you know, regardless, like that was going to happen, but would this movie have skirted under the rug without that context and just been, you know, a black famous movie, so to speak, (laughs) maybe if not for the, Um, combination of having that Marvel steam engine where, you know, it's not just, you know, this community that's looking forward to this movie, but it's also that sort of nerd crowd that feels like this is a part of their universe as well. Mm, So I don't know if it would necessarily have made a nomination, but I do know that the audience size would probably still be sizable.
1: Yes, like I think from an audience and uh, from an audience and sort of historical perspective, I absolutely think it's massive it it mm-hmm. deserves the nomination from a quality standpoint, no, I mean quality quality is standpoint, usually not quality no, you... is often not uh, an element of why something gets <laughs> nominated <laughs> for best
0: Picture as we would know. As we would know, uh, considering uh, our favorite movie, uh, our favorite film, <laughs> our favorite film, the, and the podcast's namesake. Uh-
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, uh, that year had such humdingers as, uh, of course, Green Book, Vice, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, movies Roma. that have not Roma. Well, yes, but uh, Vice, Bohemian Rhapsody have both been are somewhat controversial and that a lot of people think they suck. Uh, I cannot say, cause I haven't seen them. Um, yeah. And I wasn't Green going Book. to see
0: a movie about Dick Cheney.
1: Yeah. Right. I just, I don't like Adam, Adam, I don't need, I know Dick Cheney sucks. I'm good, but I just don't need, I don't need you to explain to me how Dick Cheney sucks. I understand.
0: Someone needed it though. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. 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 <laughs> <laughs> they needed him more than Green Book. Oh, certainly.
1: It's also interesting to note that when a movie is nominated for Best Picture, of course, the people who win it are the producers. And in this case, it's Kevin Feige. Like, mm-hmm. he's the one who would walk. And he probably have brought up some black people because, like, he's understands marketing. Um. <laughs> He understands marketing even at all. Good um, point. But like of the of the Academy Awards that they won, um, costume design for Ruthie Carter and production design of the two people, Hannah Beechler, like those are both uh, black women mm-hmm. who got to go up on stage and accept those. Uh, Ludwig Garonson is white, of course, and then yes. um, his name is Ludwig Garonson. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, the other half, the sec decoration part of best production design is a white guy. But on a personal level, I'm happier that like Ruth Carter won for costume design Mm -hmm. that I would be seeing, you know, like Kevin Feige walk up there. I mean, Ruth Carter's been in the game for uh, almost 30 years. She was on Malcolm X. She was on. Amistad, and she got nominated both times, and didn't get it until Black Panther. And Mm -hmm. you know what? That's awesome. It's phenomenal. It's it's
0: got to be like the hallmark of her career,
1: right? First of African American period to win an Academy Award in uh, costume design.
0: Exactly. Crazy. Like amazing accomplishment. Absolutely.
1: Like, and I'm super happy about that. Just sort of, in general. Also, she did the costumes for Serenity. I didn't know that. That's inc-
0: wow. Wow. Okay. Let me stop. <laughs> but um. <laughs> oh my gosh! Shout out to all of our nerds. Um, yeah. Right. But uh, yeah. I and and like so we're talking about like whether or not like this like stands out as a classic, whether or not it stands the test of time. You know, I think that that this movie did a lot for people. Um, And I, I and I think that it represents a lot as well compared to, and it represents more compared to other Marvel movies that folks might believe have deserved, you know, an Oscar.
1: Yeah. It's, it's um, I'm looking at the, the list of other MCU movies that have been nominated. There are only three movies. Three MCU movies that have been nominated for more than one Oscar. And they're Iron Man, the original, Mm -hmm. which was in visual effects and sound editing, Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, which was visual effects and makeup and hairstyling, and then Black Panther, which was nominated for seven. Um, (laughs) And for the rest of it, it's mostly visual effects. You've got like one sound editing, one makeup, and then it's it's Black Panther and visual effects nominations. Uh until well, this year uh with the release of Eternals.
0: Nice segue, Jamal. Exactly. Thank you. This year with the release of Eternals, where you know, we finally have another MCU movie um receiving a level of recognition. Now, Jamal, you and I, um, with a couple of friends, some of which have been on the pod, uh, went to go mm-hmm. see uh, Eternals in theaters. Masks on, obviously, <laughs> considering uh, the time we're in. Uh, and Jamal, why don't you tell me what you thought of Eternals? Because I, I feel uh, like uh, uh, um, we both have like very different views. We had very different
1: views. And just to give a little background... Uh, Eternals directed by Chloe Zhao coming right off her Oscar um, Oscar's win in 2020 or for 2020 uh, for Nomadland. She's a like wildly hot director right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, there was a lot of excitement for her jumping onto Eternals. And there was a lot of Kevin Feige topic that talking up Oscar buzz kind of uh talking about the scope of the movie how different it is from other MCU movies and uh and, and just sort of talking it up as a potential you know oscar hopeful now, now i thought it was a mess uh, i also liked it substantially more than you did <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's also true yeah so i i really did feel like the movie wasn't, it wasn't tight. I, I like have come to, and as as this is, as a, you know, superhero movie fan, like, and I think that this is something that we all like that many superhero movie fans feel, but I think we've come to expect a certain level of um, narrative quality or at the very least a certain like story structure
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. when
0: it comes to these movies. Um, And I think that that's very difficult to break out of. Um, But I also think that that Eternals, you know, having so many characters, um, trying to have us meet them all in unique ways. um, It faced a lot of challenges um, just by being a superhero movie that's not about one person or two people. It's about a larger group um that uh it it faced a lot of challenges and uh, and unfortunately did not handle them very well
1: yeah it's i think it i think you touched on a really good point on that story structure because part of what that was hyped about it was the change from mcu structure which black panther does as well black panther is Mm -hmm. a movie about a king and a kingdom and a lot of my frustrations about it were that it didn't lean hard enough into some of that, but Eternals is also not that standard story. And it, it, it's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. And I like a lot of the ideas that they were going for. I like a lot of the performances and I think I like the story In theory, um, I I like a lot of what they were going for, but it is. Wow, is it a mess?
0: I 100% agree. Uh, Like, I think that the ideas within the work are really cool. Um, (laughs) But the execution, um, unfortunately, really falls flat because, you know, you're. Instead of having you at the very least, just meet all of the characters at the same time or meet them in chunks to kind of get the meetings out of the way early so that we can continue learning more about these characters and their stories. It instead focuses on meeting each person nearly individually and going through each of their individual stories, which kind of takes away from the overarching plot. And the movie spends time spends too much time apologizing for Eternals not being involved in previous Marvel movies. When Marvel has kind of trained its audience members to go with the flow of its stories, and then you come across a movie that then apologizes for its character's lack of involvement, which really sucks you out of the story. Because now they have to spend multiple scenes explaining why these characters weren't involved in previous, you know, Movies when instead they could just say that that's they could just do it and not apologize for it. No, I'm actually
1: curious what what scenes are you referring to there.
0: So the moments that I'm specifically referring to are that of Hiroshima and the Aztec genocide. Um, both are depicted in the movie, but like they don't need to be there. They're only there because the filmmaker is choosing specific uh historical events uh to show why eternals don't want to be involved when instead yeah they could just say that the eternals only fight deviants or their powers are only active when deviants are near or there are other ways of like getting around it without having to focus on their lack of involvement in human history
1: yes although i will push back slightly in that i think they didn't reference that because they felt they had to. I felt they very specifically wanted to like, they wanted to make a theme of the movie that the eternals feel they are partially responsible for horrors and atrocities. But, uh, and this is, I think part of the, the, the pitfalls of the, the MCU process. That's not what the movie is about. Like, it's just, it, they just don't have the time it feels or the in there. yeah. Yeah. They don't have the time or the, it seems ability in the format to really look at that and break that down. So it just feels like there's a couple of scenes in the superhero movie okay. that are involved in very, very real human tragedies. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, we don't, we didn't need this.
0: Yeah. We don't need real human tragedies in our fake superhero movie yes i'm I'm with you absolutely (laughs) um and it's one of those things where like even when you look at when you look at like marvel versus dc universe like even like the way that these like universes are structured like history is different like if you look at like dc literally the way that america is built is different Yeah, Um, because it's surrounded by like these different major metropolitan cities. And I'm not saying that Marvel has to do the same thing, but I am saying that steeping it in the tragedies of the real world can suck the viewer out of the movie, especially when it doesn't relate to the plot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's there's definitely ways to have done that and to have gotten that theme across and even ways that that could be hard to watch that are not literally leverage leveraging like horrific atrocities yeah Yeah. like you just they didn't need to do it and it doesn't it doesn't pay off it just seems an extremely poor taste Mm -hmm. um and from a like a script perspective i mean this movie has 10 main characters it's trying to and it is long. It is uh, two and a half hours long, which is a lot. But you cannot have five to ten made characters in your movie and have this sweeping plot with multiple villains and a reveal and expect it all to hang together. There's just not enough time.
0: And you actually made a great point, Jamal, both um – as like a critique of the film. Um, and you know, as showing why like this film had a lot of issues. You know, ten people is a lot for ten people we don't know is a lot for two and a half hours. Um, even with such a long runtime. And yes. I remember after the movie um you mentioning like, you know, this seems like it should have been a series. <laughs> yes. I feel like I don't understand the recognition that Eternals has kind of gotten, considering it feels like it's so much smashed together.
1: Yeah, and to be fair, we don't know yet whether this will get Oscar buzz. It definitely, since it came out, I mean, it's the lowest rated MCU movie Mm -hmm. ever, which, in my opinion, is crazy. Like, I I think it has a lot of problems, but it's not worse than Iron Man 2.
0: Oh, Oh yeah, it's definitely okay. If we're contextualizing things and comparing them to Iron Man two, it's absolutely <laughs> not worse than Iron There's Man two. There's at least
1: like four Marvel movies. It's better than, and to me, I like I was I was a little bit impressed at how much of an impression to me a lot of the characters left, considering how little time there is. But even with that, easily you could cut four of these just entirely and their plots and the movie would be better for it or put it, uh, put it on a Disney plus miniseries.
0: I mean, I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. I think that like cutting the cast might've been the the best direction because there isn't a clear distinction between everyone's powers anyway. True. Um, you know, you have, you know, different characters who like we have, spirit gun <laughs> we have like you know different ways of like firing projectiles close range honestly i feel like the best way that they could have done this and this is going to sound a bit silly but just make it like a dnd group you know <laughs> like everybody gets their one power <laughs> um their one class of character you know that would have honestly made it make more sense than having a bunch of people who fire projectiles.
1: Yeah, there there are there is a, a lot of cross. I mean, you have a couple of characters who both fire projectiles. You have a couple of them who seem to have differing melee powers. Of, yeah, it, well, it's 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 just very unclear. Like you have your your Superman guy uh, who shoots laser beams from his eyes and can fly, but also seems to have super strength, but not as much as the super strong guy and then does the guy who shoots lasers out of his fingers also have super strength doesn't seem like he does exactly
0: so- and he also shoots it like yeah it's it's very it's very much like muddied and i and like you know you have like your healer but your healer can't fight because she has to pick up a gun at one point and that was never made clear that they were going to be using human weapons like <laughs> I mean, that stuff
1: didn't really bother me, to be honest, but I do get where you're coming from. Yeah. I get the, you're the way that from the gun,
0: with, gun like, came, came the out of nowhere. It. Oh, well, yes.
1: Yeah. The gun is not set up.
0: <laughs> she goodness. just
1: finds it. And it's like, where? What? Where did you? Did you cut a scene there? Was there like a half second insert shot you didn't film of her finding <laughs> this? Gun? She just hasn't.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like um, Eternals like would have benefited from, you know, honestly, the D&D class guide. <laughs> But uh, when it comes to like testing the time as a classic, despite like the buzz that was like arguably artificially created around it, um, it's not something that I could see, you know, being a classic. And I think that that's like a constant Marvel problem. I don't believe that's the fault of, you know, Chloe Zhao. I think that she, I think that she does great work. um, But I think that it's difficult to navigate comic book uh, characters, expectations of audience number of characters and the plot beats that you're looking to have as well as the context i think that a movie like eternals has a lot of barriers when you're putting it in the format of a two-hour three-hour movie
1: absolutely and i think they made a lot of they had to make a lot of changes some of which work some of which don't like For example, and I didn't know this until recently, the the laser beam character, the guy who shoots lasers out of his uh, fingers, Mm -hmm. Kumail Nanjiani. Yes. In the comics, he appears to be Japanese um, and becomes a Japanese film star and mostly uses a super katana that was forged by Fastos. Um, mm. and he has, they all have basic levels of super strength and immortality and speed and such uh flight, but like, I get why they didn't do this, but then you replace it with a much less interesting power, which is, ah, eh, well he shoots laser beams, but not like the other guy who does that di- differently, but yeah. they're the same beams.
0: I wonder if they could have replaced that with a different weapon. Yeah. You and know, I think with something that like also is indicative of like the character's culture because of like like absolutely. they already made the character like entrenched in culture through Bollywood, and I think that, that yeah, was funny that's really and cool. cool. So like why could the character not also have a, a weapon that's reflective of yeah. that? Using
1: a bow or a spear or something that's a little bit more connected. But yeah, I think I I, I think you made a good point with the artificial hype of Oscar sort of Oscars around the movie where it really seemed to, it really seemed to come from the director and Kevin, the The fact that Chloe Zhao was even on a Marvel movie and Kevin Feige kind of hyping up the strange nature of the movie. Uh, I don't really think it's going to, going to get a lot of Oscar buzz. I'd be surprised Mm-hmm. I I did enjoy it. I think more than you did, and I I think that it has its merits. Um, but yeah, I I don't think it comes together certainly much less than Black Panther.
0: It it just it doesn't have that like extra cultural layer. Um, like you look like uh, not to bring in you know every Marvel movie, but like mm-hmm. I do want to like kind of touch on the fact that like Black Panther exists within a certain cultural context, and so does Shang Chi.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, and, and that i would argue is more relevant <laughs> you know in 2021 and has more ties to a community than eternals
1: yeah and eternals is is casually quite diverse uh which is nice but it doesn't and i, I don't even know if it's a if it's that's a flaw of eternals but but i agree definitely that like if sh- if not for the covid i think shang chi would have had a really would have hit really powerfully and it still did it, it did well um better mm-hmm. than most during during covid but i think if they had both been released in a, in a non-pandemic landscape shang chi would have just smashed it even more than it already did um mm-hmm. because yeah it exists in that very specific cultural context And though it definitely has its problems, it's also Mm -hmm. a much more focused um, experience in a way that Eternals is just not.
0: Exactly, exactly. And, you know, we can argue that, you know, before the end of the movie, you know, Shang-Chi is doing something different. um, Yes. Compared to and standing out from you know, Marvel movies before it as well in the same way that Black Panther was really doing something different, both by pulling in a cultural angle, um, but also by pulling in characters um alongside the hero. So it's not so much a man alone.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting, um I think there's, I think uh, Shang-Chi does some different things while also, I think, fitting a little better into the, into the Marvel formula until the end when it kind of takes over. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eternals is much weirder, but I think just some of the, some of the fundamentals of plot didn't quite come together and it's just biting off maybe a little too much for a two hour, even a two and a half hour movie.
0: Yeah. And so, and I, I absolutely like, I think we're in the same, like, thought process when it comes to that. And so I kind of want to sum up our conversation, you know, do you think that Marvel will ever really have a movie that measures up to the Oscar standard?
1: I mean, I think that's a two part question. Do I think there will ever ever be a Marvel movie that wins a best picture Oscar? I don't know. Uh, Maybe it would really, really have to be, A once in a lifetime smash, though, Um, and probably probably white, probably have to be white, which is difficult. Um, Do I think Marvel will ever make a movie worthy, like in terms of quality of being a best picture? Sure. I think that's possible. Marvel's Mm -hmm. made some great movies before. It'll probably make some again. And then I think the third one that I would ask you is. Like, I think Marvel has already hit the standard of making movies that would be iconic enough to be best picture. Like, Marvel is certainly a cultural touchstone for an entire generation. I can think of, like, four movies, at least, that are massive genre-defining smashes already. Mm. So, I don't know. What do you think?
0: Yeah. I mean... I think that obviously, like, there's no knowing. I think it's possible, but I think it's going to require them to break out of their current build on the next thing style formula. It's Mm. going to be it's going to need to be something that people can watch on its own, you know, and I think that it's going to have to be something that doesn't rely on previous films Um, Because right now, I think the the issue is that there's a barrier to entry um, when it comes to following, you know, the MCU now. Big cultural moments um, within, like, superhero, comic book, like, nerd culture have happened. And if you weren't a part of those moments, you don't necessarily feel as connected to the... MCU as a whole. And if you're somebody who is, you know, attempting to find an Oscar winning movie, you're not going to look for something that is embedded in nerd culture. You're going to be looking for something that is not the norm. You know, nerd culture is also mainstream now in, in, and way more so, you know, than it was when black Panther came out. And that had the benefit of being entrenched in, you know, a time a raucous time period black culture and nerd culture and being a film that you could simply watch without the knowledge of everything that's going on in this comic book universe and i think that it has to be a movie that's not confusing to a newcomer and i think that that's a barrier that marvel really has if they want to make a movie that's an oscar-winning movie
1: I definitely think, yeah. I think like the nerd culture aspect is definitely a hindrance to the voting populace of the of the academy, who are exactly. mostly old and white. Um I think I definitely agree there. And I think the the, the standalone ish movies are are definitely the only ones that I think have a real shot. Your your Black Panthers or your Shang-Chi's, though they have their references and their elements, mm-hmm. you you're a lot more able to go into them sort of
0: blind and they have to something be something like, that's not confusing like eternals
1: yeah and Etern- well eternals just in terms of would never i don't think would ever be able to get something like a blessed picture nomination Me because it is, it's just it's just a mess uh, plot wise <laughs> and it's very difficult to follow but um oh, no i agree there it, it it's it's odd. Like you have something like like the last two Avengers movies, like Infinity War and End Game, both of which were unholy smashes, just made absurd amounts of money. uh somehow somehow made the Avengers more of a like cultural touchstone than they already were. Um, like you know i i don't know if or when we'll see movies that were watched by literally everyone the way those two were but also i don't think those two ever had any chance of oscar buzz really because they're massive superhero like smorgasbords that are building on plot of 10 years like they're Mm -hmm. just not going to land that same way because your average Oscar voter is not somebody who has watched 20 movies and understands all of the references and Endgame or even what's going on. Um, yeah. And I'm not saying, I don't know if any of those movies deserve an Oscar, although I think infinity war is shockingly good for what it is. But Certainly. like, yeah, I think it's going to have to be a standalone thing and, something that has an uncommon amount of emotional power and elegance for a Marvel movie. And I think black Panther might've been their best shot just at, at sort of knocking that out of the park.
0: I think Uh, so too. Just
1: and how difficult it is to get a a genre blockbuster into the top spot. I mean, what was the last one return of the King, like Lord of the Rings? Probably. Mm -hmm. I don't know.
0: I'm not sure. I, I do know that I do look forward to the Argo episode where we talk about Return of the King. Yes. Um,
1: (laughs) That's the crazy one.
0: Uh, (laughs) Yes. And it'll be interesting to rewatch just that movie without (laughs) (laughs) rewatching. Yes. (laughs) Which is, in my opinion,
1: the worst of the three. Not that it's bad, but like.
0: No, I I think we're in the same headspace.
1: that got the one the nod, because they were too late on the other two lol
0: um yeah but um you know wrapping this conversation up um i think we both have um very uh different opinions on eternals but very similar opinions with regards to the difficulties that marvel has in trying to like make get a movie that would win best picture absolutely um and i look forward to seeing movies that are not (laughs) i look forward to seeing uh the attempts uh to receive that sort of uh acclaim uh in my nerd shit superhero movies (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) Um, and listeners, we hope you do too. (laughs) Um, we hope that you will also look forward, uh, to our eventual green book episode. Uh, um, because there will be a point where we actually are forced to watch this movie.
1: Trust us. It will be a, a day unlike any other.
0: (laughs) Get look forward to an episode with a lot of guests
1: oh like 10 we're gonna rip them okay well anyway
0: (laughs) well anyway uh (laughs) thanks for listening uh and we look forward to uh talking to you again next month
1: (laughs) all righty thanks for listening bye
0: bye hey everyone it's jess we'd love to hear what you think about the oscars marvel problem And if you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend and give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't followed us yet, our socials have changed. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter at ArgoPod. All Systems Argo was edited and processed using GarageBand, Audacity, and Alitu. All Systems Argo is produced by Ian White, Jess SL, and Jamal B. Barringer. Big thanks to Ian for their editing work on this episode. The music in this episode was Spanish, bitch!